G'day, Troy Dean from WP Elevation, and welcome to episode 65 of the WP Elevation podcast. Our feature guest this week is Justin Sternberg from WebDev Studios. I'm a big fan of Justin's uh, confidence, and he's he, he's a big fan of saying no, which if anyone has been following me and knows what I'm about, I love saying no as well. Chris Lemmer's also a big fan of saying no, and there is a reason that you should say no, and it's in this episode... Justin is going to share with us why he says no and how, in fact, saying no frees up your time and helps you increase your value. It's a true story. Also, uh, we're Brad Williams from WebDev Studios has uh, kindly sponsored a copy of his book, Professional Development uh, Design and Development for WordPress, Professional WordPress Design and Development. It's a Wiley publication, edition three, third edition is coming out. He, it's, it, it sells here in Australia for about $54, I think the second edition did. So it's a very valuable prize. If you want to know any more about uh, professional design and development for WordPress, it's a great prize. Stick around for details on how you can enter the draw to win that book a little bit later on in this episode. Uh, this is a great episode. What else have we got here? Um, telling stories with WordPress and a new plugin that Justin Sternberg is working on. The CMB2 plugin. What's that all about? You'll find out. He suggests a guest who has been on my radar for a while, um, but no one else has suggested, and I'm glad he did. Uh, we talk about the importance of open sourcing your work. WebDev Studios, by the way, some of their clients are you know, Microsoft, Times, um, Boston Magazine. Uh, their, their client list is just ridiculous. I mean, these guys have worked with extremely impressive clients on some amazing work. Of course, um, Lisa Sabin Wilson has already been on the podcast from WebDev Studios. We're all big fans here. They are the people behind uh, BadgeOS. Um, they do a lot of BuddyPress custom development. They're also the people behind AppPressor. Uh, it's a great episode. Stick around. Stay with us. Let's elevate. This is the WP Elevation Podcast, helping WordPress consultants elevate. This episode of the WP Elevation podcast is brought to you by Video User Manuals, the only, the best, the original way to teach your clients how to use WordPress. It puts uh, This plugin puts about 75, I think, at the moment, video tutorials in the back end of your client's WordPress dashboard to teach them how to use WordPress as an editor to manage their content, how to use the WP SEO by Yoast plugin, how to use WooCommerce if they have it installed, and how to set up their Google Analytics account and read the Google Analytics reports, courtesy of our friend uh, Justin Catroni, the analytics advocate at Google, who kindly donated those videos for our plugin. So the plugin, as you know, you completely rebrand it, turn individual videos on or off, customize, add your own custom videos for kind of custom post types that you've included. Um, you fully customize it, set it up the way you want it, save that as your master profile, and then install it in the future with just one click. Uh, it's actually two clicks, I think. Uh, use master profile, save, and it's done. So it takes a few seconds to set it up, and it will save you hours. You don't have to teach your clients how to use WordPress anymore. Our plugin does it for you. Check it out at wpelevation.com, V-U-M, for video user manuals. And there's a cute little video there that my wife and I made where she pretends to be a client and I pretend to hand over the website and show her how to use the plugin. It's worth checking out just for that. Anyway, um, it's a dollar for your first month, which is ridiculous. And we've also now released short codes so you can take any of the videos in the plugin and embed them in your own membership website. Ooh, not bad, huh? All right, elevation tip of the week this week is learn how to say no 
because saying no to projects that are not right and are not profitable actually frees up your time so that you can sharpen the saw and get better at what it is you do best and what you're passionate about, which ultimately will allow you to put your fees up and uh, charge higher rates. And Justin, in this episode, we talk about the fact that it's important to be able to pay the bills while you're doing that because saying yes to everything is a bad idea. So learn how to say no. Justin Sternberg is our guest this week. He's from Web Dev Studios, of course, one of the um, three kind of big, there's those guys, Crowd Favorite and Ten Up, who are the big kind of WordPress, oh, and human made in Europe. Sorry, Tom and Noel. Whoops. Uh, they're kind of the big, um, oh, and Code for the People. Sorry, Simon Dixon. <laughs> Whoops. Just putting my foot in it more and more. I haven't slept much. I'm on some strange medication to try and clear up a blocked ear that I've had since I went to Los Angeles six weeks ago, and I still haven't unblocked this ear, so I'm a little bit delirious. You have to bear with me. Anyway, uh, Justin is from WebDev Studios, one of the big WordPress agencies on the planet. They do some amazing work with some amazing clients. They build some awesome plugins, including Badge OS, AppPressor, the mobile app development framework built on WordPress, which is definitely worth checking out if you're building websites for clients. Justin's got a lot of good stuff to offer in this interview, and we're giving away a copy of Brad Williams' book, uh, Professional Design and Development for WordPress. Stick around for details on how you can enter the draw to win that and the question that you'll have to answer. But right now, without further ado, let's go and meet Justin Sternberg. G'day, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation, and I'm super chuffed to have with me all the way today from the USA, Justin Sternberg from WebDev Studios. Hey, Justin, how are you, man? I'm doing excellent. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. You are the second person from WebDev we've now got on the podcast. Lisa Sabin-Wilson dobbed you in when she was on the podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. How long I can you, blame her. For... How, how long have you been with WebDev now? Um, this will be four years in January. Wow, cool, sweet. Well, we're going to talk more about that and lots of other exciting stuff coming up later on in the show. Uh, quick competition announcement. So Brad Williams from WebDev has very kindly offered uh, a copy of his the third edition of his professional design and development, WordPress design and development book as a prize for this episode, which is very nice of him. Thank you, Brad. Really appreciate that. Uh, so stick around for details on how you can enter that competition a little bit later on uh, in the show. We've got a very interesting way to enter the competition uh, this week. All right, before we start goofing off about all things WordPress, because I know you're a huge WordPress fan, of course, uh, but before we talk about that, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, well, the earliest thing that I can remember wanting to be was a scientist. Uh, which is really generic, you know. I didn't, I, I didn't really have like a, a specific focus. I was interested, just like science is cool, you know. Cool. Um, so that's that's kind of my thing. Um, beyond that, you know, it's kind of like floating, you know, like high school and stuff. Like you never really know what you want to do. So there wasn't really anything that stands out besides my early years wanting to be a scientist. Was and was science a cool thing when you went to school, or was it a kind of a nerdy thing? Yes. It was, it was cool to me. Right. <laughs> but yeah, it was definitely nerdy. And I, I would consider, I would say I was a very nerdy kid. So right. it fit me perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So you made peace with the fact that you were a nerd pretty early on, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I think I just always thought I was a nerd, you know? Right. Um, I, I, I like to think I'm not as nerdy anymore, but I'm still, you know, I still like WordPress. So yeah, yeah. I got to have some version of nerd in me. Did you have any idea that the nerds would win in the end? Like, was that, was that, was you like, <laughs> you like, it doesn't matter because we're going to, we're going to rule the world one day, man. 
No, I don't think I ever uh, had that thought in mind. <laughs> I remember watching Revenge of the Nerds in the you know the late '80s, whenever it was, and uh, you know because I think I think everyone kind of feels a little bit nerdy at some point in their life. I reckon even the jocks at some point reckon there's someone cooler than them, and they feel like a nerd. And I remember watching right, Revenge right. of the Nerds, going, "Yes, the nerds are totally going to win. This is awesome." <laughs> Um, so when did you discover the web? When did you, when did you discover the internet and think, okay, I reckon there's something in this. I think we can build a long-term career out of this. Yeah. So, um, when I was in high school, I guess early high school, um, our school administrator kind of took me under his wing. He worked at Microsoft at the time or still does, I guess. Um, and so he, you know, he knew stuff right <laughs> i don't know what, what all he did there but he was tech, tech savvy right so he kind of took me under his wing and had me uh take over for the school website he showed me how to use microsoft front page i don't know if you're familiar with that oh yeah yeah, yeah i figured out how to make some mean tables with microsoft <laughs> front page so. uh, <laughs> uh but yeah i mean that was that was really fun i got my hands dirty with an actual real life website um you know, we probably got two visitors a year, but it was, you know, it was fun. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I, I went to college for visual communication, which my my thought, my focus was graphic design. Like, that's what I was going to be and do is be a graphic designer. Um, and, but during that, it was actually visual communications focus. So it was kind of hit on several things. The web was one of them. And so I got some more experience there. Not a ton, but enough to kind of get my feet wet and I always enjoyed, you know, that part of it. So, and do you remember the first time you saw the WordPress dashboard? Yeah, it was actually two point nine. Um, I remember, uh, and I was, yeah, it was uh, very impressive, but also very intimidating. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, we had used. Uh, I had also started to do my church's website takeover for this my friend who was doing it. Um, and he used a program called called iWeb, which uh -huh. was a Apple product. Yep. And all WYSIWYG, right? You drag and drop, whatever. Um, and it got to the point where that wasn't quite cutting it. So I'd go in the code and I'd kind of make my little edits and stuff. And then WordPress came along. I was like, well, where does iWeb fit into WordPress, fit into like what you see on the front end? And it, it was all kind of, it was pretty intimidating. And, and I, I don't, I, it's it's got to be extremely embarrassing how long it took me to install WordPress the first time. Is that five minute install? I'm like, I'm on like hour five now. <laughs> I don't think this is accurate. Yeah. I, I reckon I've, I've often said the five minute install, I think, um, uh, makes an assumption that you already have a certain technical ability. Yeah. Like it took me a lot yeah. longer. It took me a lot longer than five minutes to install WordPress too, man. So don't worry. You're not alone. However, <laughs> I managed to get WordPress installed and up and running a lot quicker than Joomla. So, uh, you know, that's, right. uh, <laughs> I couldn't even, I couldn't even post anything on Joomla or Mambo. <laughs> I think, you know, whatever it was called back then. Um, yeah. So how do you describe what you're doing once? And, and so when you first discovered WordPress, was it, was it, was it instant kind of, Okay, this is now what I'm going to use. Or were you st were you trying other CMSs at the time? Uh, yeah. So again, it was uh, I was working on a church's website, and we were trying to figure out the best way to provide a platform for the people there to to just update content, right? Instead of having me go in every time that there's a misspelling or whatever, going and make my little edits in HTML, upload it via FTP and all that stuff. Um, I knew there was a lot of like you know CMSs around at the time, so I was like, let's figure this out and. Um, so Expression Engine was one that we were considering mm. at the time. Mm. Um, they had a free version. I was thinking about trying it. 
Um, and then, you know, I saw WordPress. I was like, well, this thing is free, you know, mm-hmm. and it's open source and it has a pretty decent reputation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to waste my time diving into several if this one works out. So I, I tried WordPress first because it was free mm-hmm. and it worked out. Like I liked it. I enjoyed it. It was complicated, you know, as far as like getting it installed, it was just concepts I wasn't familiar with. You know, I, I was editing HTML and CSS, not databases, not, you know, that kind of extra layer PHP, all that stuff was just brand new to me. But yeah, um, yeah. But yeah so then once we got into it, um, started building with it, um, and I really liked it. I really liked how things were dynamic, you know? Yeah. Like you could put the title and it would be like whatever they entered in the back end, and I didn't have to go in and change it all the time. It was, yeah. It was, it was pretty yeah. Pretty, and like Exciting. just load the header once. You don't have to change the header on every yeah. single page. <laughs> oh, man. I can't tell you how many times I did the whole, you know, find in project or whatever, uh, replace all. Yeah. Yeah. I remember using Dreamweaver and, and every time you added a page to the main nav, the main nav, I mean, you'd have to go through and find where the main nav was on every page in the site and open up all the files of Dreamweaver. <laughs> and yeah, WordPress was a... Uh, yeah, I was uh, the- yeah, it uh, certainly. Uh, it was like the light. It was like turning the light on, starting to use WordPress. Did you? Did you? Um, when you first discovered the plugin repository and started kind of realizing that there was like, did the community part of WordPress instantly appeal to you as well? No, not instantly. Um, it took a while because again, when I first started using WordPress, I just I really didn't know what it was capable of. I just knew that. Like, again, they could go and enter their title, and that's what would show, and that was what mattered to me at the time, right? right. was that I wouldn't go and update the content all the time. Um, or like you said, I wouldn't have to update the header in every HTML file. Like, those were things that were important to me. Um, so it took a little bit to kind of start to figure out, hey, there's a lot more that can go on. Um, but it's also, you know, like, depending on what plugins you use, there's a learning curve that goes with those as well. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's kind of a matter of, do I figure out how to use WordPress better or do I figure out how to, you know, a plugin that'll do it. And, um, so, so it was definitely a balance and, um, I, I, I enjoyed reading those blog posts, you know, that do this without a plugin, right? <laughs> you know, cause they're all over the internet. Mm. I enjoyed doing that cause I could get my hands dirty. Yeah. Right. And now it's like, it's recommended, you know, you don't want to just throw snippets or, you know, from a whatever and plugins aren't bad, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I was more like trying to figure out how to do it myself. But um, but yeah, once I started to figure out, there's definitely some awesome plugins out there, and, and it didn't take too long to to start figuring figuring that out. So I'm I'm curious as as a guy as a developer who works with one of the largest kind of WordPress dev studios on the planet. Is your this is completely off topic, but I'm just curious: is your best practice to use a plugin or to minimize the amount of plugins on a site and you know use your own custom functions? I mean that's 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 a million dollar question, I guess, because uh, it really depends on the project, right? It depends on what the requirements are. It depends on uh, the time constraints we have, the budget they have, all this, all that stuff. You know, it depends. Depends on if we're going to be supporting it long term. It depends. You know, so there's there's a lot that kind of goes into those decisions. But I would say we lean on using our own code bases, right? Um, because these are the things we go in and be like, oh, it's broken, fixed, and yeah. then we're you know it works for for us for the rest of the time we're going to use it, and the next project we can reuse it again. Yep. And that's something we've really started to value in the, I'd say the last year is like creating these code bases that are reusable and, and, and things that we can, you know, 
uh, use over and over again. And CMB2, I don't know if you've heard of that, custom metaboxes and fields. Yeah. That whole project is something we, we adopted it and we own, like, that's just been, like, awesome for us. And that's the kind of thing that we tend to do is we try and, like, I guess the shorter answer is we try and do it ourselves if possible because then we know what's in there. We don't get a lot of extra cruft. Um, if they release an update that breaks it, we're not liable. You know, like, then we would be liable because we're using a third-party plugin. Yeah. You know, so, it's but like I said, it's a trade-off. It depends on the requirements of your project. Yeah, good advice. So what do you, how do you describe what you do in one sentence? When you meet someone for the first time and they say, hey, Justin, what do you do? What, do you have like an elevator pitch, so to speak? Um, yeah, I guess. I mean, I just, I pretty much tell them I'm uh, the lead developer at a, you know, a company that does um, a lot of development with WordPress. And a lot, most of the time, it depends on who I'm talking to because most people don't know what WordPress is. And so, you know, I just tell them, you know, we make websites. That's kind of my, my general thing. Uh, but, it, you know, if people are in the know, then I'll go into a little further. And, you know, we're a premium, you know, a company that does um, client development products, you know, projects for clients and pretty high, you know, profile clients. And we don't just produce websites. We produce you know, entire projects that deliver a lot of functionality besides what you see on the web, you know. How do you avoid that conversation where, like, if you're at a barbecue or something and someone says, what do you do? And you say, I work, you know, lead developer for a company, we build websites. How do you avoid that conversation which is like, oh, yeah, that's cool. We need a website. And you know that the guy's got, like, 50 bucks to build a website, right? How do you just, how do you not have that conversation? <laughs> oh, man, that's, yeah, that's that's a classic, isn't it? Um, I think... I think for me, I just, my, my standard argument, I was like, oh man, I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm too busy. Like, I got so much going on, there's there's no way I could take on another project right now. Right. That's kind of my standard response. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's, yeah, that's kind of my standard response for almost any, even if I know they have some money, just because I really, I am busy, you know. I, I have a full-time job with a, you know, a pretty big company doing a lot of cool stuff, and I have three kids, and you know, how yeah. that goes. Yeah, yeah. So. And, and then, you know, and when you start, well, I'm just looking at your client portfolio here at WebDev, when you say, oh, yeah, we're, you know, we're really busy, like, you know, we're working on projects with, like, Microsoft and MSNBC and Boston Magazine and Time, it's like, right, right so, you know, you're going to be yeah. way out of our budget anyway. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's yeah, a, I, I try not to, you know, wave that too much. I mean, if people ask, I'd be happy to tell them. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It must be. It must be <laughs> tempting, man. I must say, like, it must be. It must be. It must be hard to not kind of. Um, I mean, because you guys have got some pretty good brands and pretty. You've got some amazing work in your portfolio. It must be. It must be um, humbling to know that you've worked on such amazing projects with amazing clients. But I mean, I, I do hope that you guys do take some time to pat yourselves on the back every now and then and go, you know what, we're actually doing some pretty cool work here. Yeah, yeah, no, we definitely do, and um, uh, I, I don't know if you follow the Web Dev Studios Twitter stream, but they're you know they're always talking about the cool stuff we're working on, which is I always feels good, you know. Um, I, I I think it's cool that we're doing stuff with big name clients, and I think it it says a lot for WordPress more than it says for us, you know, the fact that people like Microsoft who have typically been, you know, mm. turned off to open source type of things, the fact that they're now you know looking at WordPress as a, a very suitable solution to what they need need to have done is is really awesome it says a lot for wordpress so mm. um i think that's really awesome and you know like normal people like it's it's cool you can throw the name out there but you know 
they don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so what do you spend most of your time doing day to day? Are you deep in code or are you managing code across projects? Are you managing other developers? Yes. All of the above, <laughs> basically. Um, yeah, because I'm, I'm the lead developer, I'm kind of responsible for kind of overseeing, you know, the quality of the development and um, across, you know, we have teams in, in WDS and um, so I'm responsible for the, the code quality in my team. Um, which I'm, which also means I'm responsible for some of the more advanced, you know, functionality things. Um, so sometimes they don't jive very well because when I get head down in a very complex project, I don't have the time that I would like to have to, to you know, keep an eye over the code quality. And then other times while I'm doing that, I don't have the time to. So it's it's definitely it's been a it's been an interesting journey because I just we just switched to kind of this lead development strategy. Um, in March or April, so you know I've had a few months to be working on, it, but still, it's still a challenge. It's not as easy just you know burying your head in code for the day and then calling it a day. You know. Yeah. Um, do you so. do you, do you miss those days where you could just kind of turn up, cut code for eight hours, and then just tune out? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's the best. You know, when you can just sprint, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just turn on the music, shut off everything else, and just like. Yeah. Get get your head buried in the code. Um, yeah. But I, I definitely enjoy what I do now too. You know, I like the quality control. I like the the mentoring capacity of it. I like, you know, helping people work through complex problems, or or even better, like helping them figure out how to solve problems. You know, like yeah. I really enjoy that aspect of it. So, you're coming from a visual. This is completely off topic here, but coming from a visual communications background, someone who was studying essentially graphic design, where did you? learn to develop you're now lead developer at web dev studios where did you learn to develop and where would you suggest anyone who anyone who needs to kind of brush up their development skills where would you suggest they start apart from getting brad williams's book of course <laughs> right right <laughs> that's a nice, uh, nice pitch. uh actually his books are really good um for bridging that gap um they kind of cover both ends of it but yeah uh, yeah i so yeah like you said i started in more of the theme design. Uh, I actually, you know, created Photoshop mock-ups of sites and stuff like that. That's kind of where I started and doing some front-end development and a little bit of PHP. And over the years, as you said, I've, I've migrated to the other side of things. Um, and the reason is, is because that's what I really enjoyed. That's what I liked. That's what I, you know, so I was like, I kept veering more and more in when we had a project and we had developers that had, were assigned certain parts, I'd be like, I wonder if I could just nibble off this section of it and do it myself. Mm. And I would, you know, and then the developer come come along and they'd either laugh at me and take over and <laughs> fix whatever I broke or, or in some cases they'd be like, yeah, that's good, you know, so I don't have to do that part. Um, but that's kind of how I started and, and it just, I kept doing more and more of that. And then uh, another pretty crucial piece to it is like doing stuff that's not, um, assign you know like require it's not part of your job so um i started developing a plugin um, um the Insta it's an instagram importer for wordpress mm -hmm. um that was one of my first like serious developery things uh because it, you know it taps into instagram's api and you know it loops through and it creates posts for you i mean it's you know it's a pretty intense developery thing um and i did that on my own completely like not web studios or whatever just because I wanted that for my site. Like, I wanted that capability. And I also 
you know, wanted to play with all these different things like APIs and, you know, importing and just, you know, like that to me was very intriguing. Mm. And I think, I think that's like the best advice I have for anyone who's looking to kind of, like you said, either brush up or, or even make that transition is just practice. Like find a project that you, you know, you want for yourself and tackle it, you know? Yeah. And then spend days and days in Google till you figure it out, you know? Yeah. That's all it is, really. It's practicing Google. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And it's and I think this I that, and I don't I don't take that point lightly because I actually think there's a there's an art and a and a skill to knowing how to Google and not get frustrated and knowing yeah. how the search algorithm what it responds to and how to actually be really specific about what you're searching for. I mean, I remember the first time that I was kind of really blown away by Google, which, I mean, it's really obvious and simple and makes perfect sense, but I would, I would get a PHP error on the screen when I broke something in WordPress. I would just literally copy the error and paste it into Google and see what came up. And I was like, oh my God, other people have had the same problem that I'm having right now and they fixed it for me. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And even like, you know, you, you, it's, you usually almost never go to Google thinking this first search effort is going to pay off. Like you start to look, you look at a few Stack Overflow, you know, articles, you yep. look at someone's like blog post and you're like, well, this isn't quite right, but this guy, this guy kind of has it. And then you kind of take his little terminology that he used, you plug it back into Google and you try again, you know, it's like you just keep honing, you know, yeah. the search until you're in the right zone and you're right. It's, it's an art. It's not something. Um, it, it takes a lot of practice, but you can get really good at it. And man, I think, you know, like senior developers, I think that's what they're best at is finding answers, not like knowing it all in their head. Um, it's more like they can find the answer quicker, you know? Yeah, totally. It's like, it's like iterative search, isn't it? You have to keep iterating on your search terms until you find what it is you need. Yeah. Um, I was, um, I'm just making a note here of Stack Overflow WordPress because the, the WordPress dot. So there's wordpress.stackexchange.com and there's mm-hmm. uh, and there's also a WordPress theme in Stack Overflow, like a WordPress track in Stack Overflow, which I, I discovered late in the piece, and it, but it totally kind of changed my whole WordPress world. It, it's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to put those links in the show notes um, in this episode, uh, which by the way, if you're listening to this and you're not watching the video, get on over to the website and uh, watch the video and get all the show notes. And that will be at wpelevation.com slash Justin Sternberg, which is all one word, all lowercase, no hyphen spaces, underscores, or other strange hieroglyphics. And I'm trying to now find, here we go. Uh, that's what I want there. So I'm just going to make a note of that. Beautiful. Um, what's the one thing that keeps you awake at night besides your three kids? <laughs> um, <laughs> Not much. I sleep pretty well, actually. Oh, cool. I don't really have a, a uh, anxiety problem that keeps me from sleeping. But you know, as far as stressful things go, um, I, I definitely like in the, the this role that I have now. Um, I, I still struggle with the whole balance between um, delivering to the client what they want and yet holding back on you know what they deserve, right? Like, um, and, and like I'm kind of the person who talks on the phone with these clients most of the time um, and kind of translate what's happened in the developer world to the client. Um, And I really enjoy that aspect, but sometimes it's difficult when you can't deliver what they expect. And um, then that can happen for a number of reasons, right? That can be because they're, they just don't get it. They're clueless or whatever. And they, they assume too much Mm. or it's because like we, 
took on too much, you know, and mm. so we're not able to deliver what we told them we would deliver. And that's always, that to me is one of the harder things that I deal with. It's just like, I like to deliver an awesome product to the client and when they're expecting things they don't that are outside of the scope of work or whatever, um, I enjoy, I guess, like talking them off the lid and like, here's the thing, I can do that for you, but here's what it's going to take. You know, like I, I really enjoy those conversations. I love working, you know, working <coughs> magic there, but it's always hard when it's our fault. It's like, well, sorry. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. That, that's, that's one of the hardest things for me. To be I honest. think you're the only person I've ever, I've ever spoken to who enjoys those conversations, those awkward conversations <laughs> where you know what, you know that you're building a really nice Honda and the client's expecting you to deliver a Mercedes Benz. And right. when you have that right. moment and you think, this is, like for me, I have those moments and I think, this, this can't end well. Like, they're, what they expect <laughs> and what we're building are two different things. Why do you enjoy those conversations? And how do you, how do you have those conversations and, and, and talk the client around? Have you got any, like, magic secrets you can share with us? <laughs> uh, I mean, I think it's kind of like the same reason I really like development is – you have a problem, right? And you got to find the best way to solve it, right? So sometimes it requires you to take this angle, sometimes this one, but there's always a way, you know? So I kind of, in a way, tackle it like that. Like the, the client's not happy. It's not because we suck or screwed up. It's because of this, this, or this, right? So first you figure out which, which of the things is the reason. So maybe it's because they expected a Mercedes and on paper it said, we'll give you a Honda. So I go, hey, that's great. We would love to build you a Mercedes. Like, I love Mercedes. Mercedes are awesome. Yeah. Um, let's do that. But here's the thing. If you want that done, here's what it's going to take. We need a new scope of work. We need a better, you know, a longer timeline. There's no way we can pull it off with this Honda budget we have. So let's work together. And they, oh, you're, so it's going to take more time and money. Well, yeah, because you're asking for a Mercedes. And right here on paper, it says you get a Honda. So Let's let's get a Mercedes going. They're like, well, let's see if we can, you know, work, you know, and and you can kind of bring them back. Or sometimes, you know, you have the rare client. They're like, yeah, let's go for it, you know. Um, but but I think that's just a really good way to kind of. So I like the I like the the notion that you collaborate with the client to end up yeah. with the desired outcome because I think a lot of times, and I think I think I think a lot of this comes down to the confidence of the consultant and also probably the size and the uh, the sophistication of the client. But I think a lot of times we can end up at loggerheads with the client because we don't collaborate with them that we kind of end up just sort of punching heads with them. Do you, right. do you, find, that the, do you find that it's easier with larger clients with, who have bigger departments and more staff and bigger budgets or do you find that it gets more complicated with larger clients? Um, I really feel like they're just different problems. Right. You know, I feel, I feel like they're... They're different problems to solve, and they require different solutions. Because when you're dealing with bigger clients, and they have you have that whole red tape and chain of command and email threads and yada yada yada, um, I just don't think you can tackle it the same way you can with you know mom and pop blogger or whatever you know. Yeah. Um, so I just I don't think there's a stock answer to either solution. But sure. I also think you can't solve the same, you can't give the same solution to two different problems, right? Yeah. Yep, good advice. Uh, what do you do when you're not working? How do you how do you get out of work mode and keep your head balanced and keep in check? Uh, well, 
I, I probably spend too much time in WordPress even when I'm not, you know, working. Um, uh, I have several plugins that I built over the years that are in WordPress.org. Um, I also, I, I already mentioned CMB2 or custom meta boxes and fields if you're familiar with that. That's kind of a labor of love for me. Um, I really enjoy the pro the projects. I do that a lot in my free time. Um, and then, um, you know, we're working on this premium plugin, me and my partner, that we're planning on uh, delivering soon. And um, that's taken up a lot of free time this, you know, end of summer slash fall. So, yeah, I kind of stay busy in the code still. But I also have three kids, so we're, you know, they take up a lot of time, and my daughter's in dance, and I bring her to dance and all that kind of good stuff. Um, uh, I also enjoy playing music, and um, I play in the band at my church pretty often. And Cool. Yeah, so I mean, you know, I get around. I do stuff. What do you play? What instrument? I play a guitar. Ah. Mostly acoustic. Yeah. Very nice. Yes. There are so right. many. There are so many musos in the WordPress space, man. It is ridiculous. Oh, nice. What is that? <laughs> what is that? It's an Epiphone. Oh, nice. Beautiful. Yeah. It's got the f. It's got the f hole cutouts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that's like a hollow body electric, semi, right? Semi hollow. Yeah. Yeah. Nice twang. That's. Well, there are so many musicians in the WordPress space. It is ridiculous. I. I. Yeah. Uh, you know how they have press jam where people like get together and cut code and jam and stuff. I want to have press jam where we actually turn up the amps and get some drums out and actually, yeah, yeah. you know, that's awesome. Make some make some noise, make some tunes. There's so many musos in the WordPress space, and Matt, of course, is a saxophonist too. So uh, we should uh, drag Matt in and uh, and have a jam at a San Francisco <laughs> WordCamp. That'd be good. Um, if you could wave a magic wand and fix one thing about the business right now, whether it's web dev or whether it's your own plugin stuff that you're doing, whatever it is, what would that be if you could just wave a magic wand and fix one thing? Um, time. Uh, <laughs> which things either would take less time or I would just have more time in a day. But there's, there's just too much to be done. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, if I could just wave a magic wand and have everything take 20% of the time that it now takes, life would be perfect. Yeah. You know, this is the thing that I, th I think this is where, where I fell in love with WordPress. And I think a lot of people I've spoken to have a similar experience that when you realize how, how you can create, when you realize that WordPress is this really, it's, it's a creation tool. Like I know now that like I, I would just never be bored ever because there, right. like, there is so much to create. And right. we've got this amazing creation tool in front of us where we can pretty much create whatever we want to create. I mean, I was interviewing a guy yesterday on the podcast who's built the marketingpodcast.com search engine, which is a, a search engine specifically for finding your favorite marketing podcast. It's a, it's a partnership with Jay Bear at Convince and Convert, and it's been built on WordPress. And it's like, wow, all these amazing things and applications and niches and ideas and tools are popping up built on WordPress that are, you know, it's, it's, how do you triage? Like, how do you go, okay, well, that idea is just never going to happen because I don't have time. It's just, it's on the shelf and it's never going to come to life. Well, man, there's, yeah, there's probably 500 of those things on the shelf, right? <laughs> and for me, it's like WordPress is also my hobby. So when I'm done with work, it's like, okay, I want to relax. Well, what am I going to do? I'm going to do my hobby. Well, my hobby happens to be WordPress. So a lot of times, you know, it depends on what the, the the mood of the day is. But sometimes I'll pull one of those things off the shelf and be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna do this thing." Yeah, yeah. Uh, but even then, like those things always take longer than you want them to because you know 
you're a perfectionist or whatever, and you just keep tweaking. And, you know, there's a lot of things that are on the shelf still that are unfinished but started, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. So, all right, let's talk about a couple of these things that have been built on top of WordPress. Before we start, I want to talk about AppPressor in a minute, but before we get there, tell us a little bit about CMB2. Tell us, tell us a little bit, first of all, about custom meta boxes and fields for WordPress, because CMB2 is kind of a fork of that, right? Yes and no. Um, so custom meta boxes and fields was the original kind of meta box class that was started by Jared Atchison and Andrew Norcos and... Bill Erickson, and I think Kerry J helped a little bit with that. Um, and it kind of got stale, right? Like, it, it was a pretty great project, and we were using it, uh, or I started using it for several, a few of our client projects and stuff, because um, it's a great tool. Like, just easily create some fields, and boom, you're done. You have a custom post type with, with custom fields. Um, it was great for that, but I needed some things, and then they were no longer doing it, so I started submitting a ton of pull requests to Jared and finally he's like here have commit access I was like yes <laughs> uh, so then at that point you know it was just there was no looking back I just started modifying it making it work in a way that fit me and fit you know what I need to, it to do and um, the longer I went the more I realized I, this isn't necessarily a tool I, I want to just use for meta boxes this is a tool I want to be able to use to put fields anywhere in any way shape or form uh, because a field is a very, you know, like these form elements are very generic things, right? You can use them in, you know, there's form elements in, in user profile fields, there's meta boxes for posts, there's settings pages, there's front end forms, there's, you know, um, widgets, short codes, like all these things, like there's just forms everywhere, right? Um, so my my mind started to expand, like we could probably use this in more ways, you know? So then we, we tweaked it, we kept tweaking it, and then uh, Jared transferred it over to Web Dev Studios just because it's like, you guys take this thing, you're running with it already. Um, and so we've just been going nonstop. And then we got to a point where we wanted to just drastically change a few very major things, and we didn't want to break all instances of it. So we basically renamed all the class names, renamed the entire repository to CMB2 uh, so that we could have them completely separate yet work, you know, side by side. So people who have the old version, it'll still work, but it's just not being developed anymore. Um, in CMB2, the one major problem it solves is the original couldn't handle version. It, it, like, if you had your uh, CMB bundled with your plugin, and I had it in my plugin, and you had an older version, but your plugin slug was like AAA. You were going to get loaded before me, and I'd be stuck with your older version. Does that make sense? Gotcha, yeah. <clears throat> so MB2, that's kind of the, one of its the main reasons we, we wanted to redo it was so that it could handle that on its own and only load the newest version. And so that's that was the number one problem we focused on. And then besides that, we, we redid a ton of other things. So, so for, yeah. the, for the layperson, how is this different to something like Advanced Custom Fields? Uh, yeah, so that's a great question. Um, advanced custom fields is is intended as a tool for the site maintainer, right? Because mm -hmm. it's it's all UI based. It's all you know. You build your fields and all that stuff. And it's a great tool. Like I will never tell people you shouldn't use it necessarily. Uh, but from a developer standpoint, or from a project builder standpoint, um, like CMB is 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 better because you can 
generate these fields and these forms all from within your code and it's all version controlled and it's all you know you can make gotcha. one tweak push it up to your production server it's already done you don't have to synchronize your database you don't have to whatever you don't have all the overhead of all the you know UI that that ACF requires mm-hmm. um, and you don't have a, a funky weird custom data structure that um, ACF has had in the past I think it's gotten better I'm not sure but um, it's all just post meta right um, or whatever option data whatever. yep so um, but yeah there's and I think I'm, I'm, I'm not super, super familiar with ACF. I've used it in the past, but I don't know how like extensible it is from a developer standpoint, but I know CMB, like you can do anything. Like there's hooks, filters, custom, you know, parameters. There's all kinds of things you can do to just make the thing do whatever you want. Cool. Um, and that's because I made it do just about everything under the sun at this point, you know, because I use it for everything. So. Cool. Well, I'm going to put a link to this in the show notes at wordpress.org slash plugin slash cmb2. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, let's talk about, I'm actually checking out your WordPress profile, which is interesting because I very rarely do this. I know a lot of people swear by the WordPress profiles and they're like, you know, if you know anyone in the WordPress space, the first thing you should do is check out their WordPress profile at wordpress.org. Right. Um, but the reason I'm checking yours out is because there are two plugins specifically I want to talk about, Badge OS and App Presser. So Badge OS we actually use a little bit of Badge OS in WP Elevation. We use it with the, some of the courses that we sell and we use it with, the, uh, we use it with LearnDash, actually. And funnily okay. enough, when I finish this interview, I'm interviewing Justin Ferryman from LearnDash in about an hour and a half's time. Uh, so I'll be talking to him about that. So we use LearnDash to teach people courses. They go through the course, they answer the quizzes right, and then they get badges uh, unlocked and achievements unlocked and it's all driven by Badge OS. For those that don't know, tell us what Badge OS is in a nutshell. Yeah, so Badge OS <clears throat> basically allows you to gamify WordPress. Um, so if you're familiar with Foursquare or any of these other whatever you know services out there that allow you to earn a badge by doing whatever and you get the little pop-up that says, hey, you did this, you just earned the I'm super cool badge or whatever. <laughs> uh, it basically allows you to do that with WordPress. So Right. Um, and you can get into just about any action, whether it's like publishing a post or commenting on a post or whatever, um, and you can notify them in, in any way, you know, several different ways. And it hooks into the Credly API, which is kind of a cloud-based, I guess, storage for your badges. Um, but yeah, I guess that's kind of the... Awesome. And you guys, I think I remember speaking with um, Lisa about this briefly. This started out as a client requirement, is that right? Yes, yes, exactly. Um, we were doing quite a bit of stuff um, for, what's the name, Learning Times um, is is the company, and basically building out, a, basically, yeah, building out a, a bunch of different conference websites and different things where you would get rewarded for attendance and all this kind of stuff. You get these little badges, and so um, we saw, between us and that client, we saw the power in this, this badging system. And it became something that we wanted to extract out of these specific projects and make it work across whatever projects he would get, you know, like, um, because that was kind of his focus was gamifying these things, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it was conference <clears throat> attendance or, you know, school type things. Um, we, we did a, a YMCA app. So if you go and you do your little workout you, and then you go check in, tell it what workout you did, you, you get badges for that and stuff. Um, we also did that for... Um, Dallas Museum of Art, 
Um, same thing. Like you go in, you check out an exhibit, you wave your little card, it reads it, and you, you kind of get a badge for how many exhibits you visit and that kind of stuff, which you can then use the points to redeem for whatever in their store. Um, so yeah, just like they wanted the ability to extract uh, that functionality. Cool. It's awesome. We we love Badge OS. Uh, again, I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, and yeah, gamification was something that I kind of came late to. I didn't really understand it until we started using it in our in our WP Elevation course websites. And we I just saw straight away people, you know, the engagement rates went through the roof because people love yeah. unlocking badges and being, it's like that instant gratification, the instant yeah. reward for getting some answers right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's fun. And um. Tell us about AppPressor. For those that don't know, what is AppPressor and why is why did how did AppPressor come about and why is it why does it exist? So AppPressor is basically it's like what WordPress is for a web. It's like it's like what WordPress is for the web, but for mobile, you know, apps using WordPress. So it's kind of like another abstraction layer between a mobile app and WordPress that allows you to use WordPress to create these mobile apps. Um, and I was very pretty heavily involved with the original AppPressor um, before it was launched, um, kind of helped architect a lot of the different uh, plugins and the, the way it was all set up. Um, but since it's been launched, they have their own team and they've been you know, going with that full steam ahead and now they're on a conductor. I don't know if you heard of conductor. Oops, or not conductor, that's, sorry, uh, reactor. Uh -huh. Uh, AppPressor Reactor, which is basically kind of a software as a service, um, where you kind of create app all you know on the the Reactor site, um, and it looks extremely powerful. I have I have yet to use it actually, but, <clears throat> but the other version of AppPressor will still exist, and that allows you to have kind of more uh, finite control of how your app works because it's all WordPress versus this abstraction layer. Um, and Reactor uses the, the WordPress JSON API. So that's how it gets its data in. Right. So Reactor, so I, yeah, that's what Reactor is. I wasn't sure. I knew that this was coming, the hosted software as a service version of mm -hmm. it. So this is right. Awesome. Sweet. Yeah, and it's really great because you can, um, you know, sign up, make your app, whatever. And you pay a subscription depending on, like, so you still have the control over it. But if you decided you didn't want it anymore, you still have the app. It's still going to pull in your data from WordPress because it uses the JSON API. It's, it's still going to be a working app, you know. Um, so it's it's a pretty cool little service they got going on. Do you think this is is this and this is a this is a web dev uh, project, right? Mm -hmm. So is this something that do you think moving away from kind of well not moving away from client services, but moving more into products is this something that is a trend that we'll we'll be seeing more of? from WebDev, and do you think some of the other larger agencies are moving more into productizing things? Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of uh, the big question, you know, like, I think a lot of agencies want to go that direction, simply because it's, a, it's an appealing idea, almost like free recurring money, mm. <laughs> right, mm. versus clients where you're always on these phone calls with clients trying to haggle, and, you know, it's kind of like, it's a different mindset. Um, I think, obviously, that's kind of the the idealistic view when really it, there's a lot more work involved and there's support and there's all that good stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we've definitely talked about doing other products. We have a lot of products like in the, you know, in the trunk, so to speak, waiting <laughs> to be released. Um, it's just a matter of time and resources. And, and um, I think with AppPressure, it was a unique situation because we partnered with Scott Bollinger, 
um, who this was kind of his brainchild and he just needed the extra oomph. Um, so he partnered with, uh, you know, the parent company of WebDev Studios, which is WD3, um, to do this. Um, so now we kind of have this section that's AppPressor that's not really WebDev Studios, but it is, you know, like it's part of our DNA, but it's not really us. Like we're not working on it um, anymore. So, okay. So, yeah, I, I, I feel like if we're going to do products, it's going to look more like that. Like we'll probably have a, a designated team to, for it and um, we'll have to have something that really drives that team um, to justify it at this point because we have so much client work going on and really great client work, you know. Mm. Yeah, I mean, some. I mean, <clears throat> I was talking to Shane Pellman from Modern Tribe recently about this when he was out in Australia about kind of keeping client services and product teams separate, um, and something that I mean on a much smaller scale, but something that we've done now is all our client service stuff is done completely separate to all of the stuff that we do on our own plugins and products. And I think it's for us anyway, it's really good just to have that line in the sand and say, well, you guys work on products and you guys work on client services, and never the two shall meet. Um, well, and that's the thing, like, client services are always deadlines, right? Like, yeah. And so that always gets the priority. So unless you have that delineation and that kind of separation, it's always get, you're going to get pulled into the client side. Yeah. Um, and that's just, I like, I've heard so many companies say that's what happens and that's, how, and that's what's happened with us. So having that, you know, line in the sand, like you said, is pretty crucial to making it actually work and stick. Yeah, you're absolutely right, because you're right. Products just get pushed to the back of the queue because client services are paying the bills and they have the deadlines. Um, yeah. There was one other thing I wanted to ask you about. Oh, AppPressor. Um, the thing I, the th if you, by the way, if you're a WordPress consultant and you're building sites for clients and your clients are asking about mobile sites, you should definitely be looking at AppPressor as a great way to, because I'm all about optimizing your development process so that you can d deliver projects to clients at a price point that makes sense to the market but also allows you to run your business at a profit and i see AppPressor as one of those tools that is crucial to your toolkit if you want to build mobile um, solutions for your clients AppPressor just allows you to speed up the whole development process and get that stuff out uh, so definitely check it out i'll put a link in the show notes as well uh, to AppPressor. so AppPressor, so reactor is really like for the end user that doesn't have a web developer who just wants to get up and about with uh, with a mobile app, I don't think I'd go that far. I mean, I think you could if you were a pretty technically technical savvy client and um, you, you know you you knew the insides of WordPress pretty well and um, that kind of thing. But I, I would say not necessarily that. I think you're still going to want a developer to hook you up to it and kind of get it set up the way you want it. Um, Again, I'm not heavily involved with it, so I don't want to overstep, you know, my knowledge of it. But I, I think to get it started and going, you would want a developer. I think you could probably hand it off once the initial thing was built and kind of, you know, the same way you hand off your WordPress site and train them how to use it and that kind of thing. Yeah. Cool. And, of course, the other thing that Web Dev Studios do, and I just want to talk about this from a client positioning point of view, the other thing that you guys do is BuddyPress, right? You guys do a lot oh, of custom BuddyPress stuff. Did did Now, BuddyPress was... Originally, JJJ, is that right? Yeah, yeah. He and Boone, I think, had a large part in it. I'm not sure who did more or what, but yeah, JJJ had a JJ, of course, is John James Jacoby, yeah? And who's got a Kickstarter campaign now and is raising some money to sort of work on BuddyPress full-time for six months, right? Yeah, he's got a tip. Yeah, yeah. So here's the thing I like about this is, like, I just think it's really good positioning when you're talking with clients... You guys have got 
at Presser, you've got Badge OS, you've got BuddyPress, you've got these tools that thousands of other web developers around the world use on a daily basis as part of their you know, workflow. It's kind of hard to argue with you guys about you know, what, what you guys do and your pricing and your positioning and all that stuff because you build products that thousands of others use as their daily workflow. I'm a huge advocate of doing this, even as designers, just building a Photoshop template that you can give away online for other designers yeah. to use. It's really good positioning. Do you find that this helps you when it comes time to sort of pitch for those bigger projects, that that, that positioning is, is, you know, puts you in a strong position? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, Brad, Brian, Lisa, the the owners, and uh, Drake Armada, um, I think they have a bigger hand in the actual pitching and that kind of thing. So when it gets to us, we're usually they're already usually on board. But I think yes, absolutely, those things have a very large part to do with it. The fact that we're we got our hands dirty on all these different things, and they they've seen it and they're like, you know. Or a lot of times they'll say like, "Hey, do you think we can do this?" Well, yeah, we actually built that, so yeah, we yeah. can do that. You know, like yeah. that's a pretty, pretty big uh, uh, sell, selling pitch. So. Yeah, I saw that Dre joined you guys. How when when did that happen? By the way, how long how long ago did he join WebDev? Uh, this summer, I would say, early summer. Okay, so like in the last in the last five or six months. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yep. Cool. Awesome. Um, sweet. Hey, we should do our elevation round, which is our lightning round of, uh, of questions. Uh, for those that don't know, WP Elevation is a business accelerator program for WordPress consultants. So I'm going to ask Justin a series of quick questions about freelancing and consulting, and hopefully you're going to give us some cool answers off the top of your head. Uh, what's the number one thing any freelancer or consultant needs to know? Um, I mean, I'll just go back to my, my other answer, which was you got to know how to Google, right? Because <laughs> you, you're never going to have all the answers. And when a client asks you a thing like, and you don't know the answer, um, you know, you have to be able to figure it out. Um, because there's a lot of times clients will give us like this difficult problem they need solved. I'll be like, well, I don't know, but I bet you we could figure it out. You know, I, I, again, I really think that's a super valuable skill no matter what you're doing is to be able be able to figure out an answer to the problem or a possible solution that you could present, you know? Yeah, I, it's so true. A mate, a mate of mine um, built a pretty good career as an IT guy in the finance industry, and he did a, a computer science course uh, as, an, as a you know, mature age student, got this job, and then I said to him one day, I said, you know, he said, basically my job is to just make sure I know like one or two more things than my boss. And I just do that through Googling and just staying ahead of my boss. As long as I know more than my boss, I'm invaluable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's, that's exactly right. Uh, awesome. What's the best thing you've ever done to find new customers? Um, well, again, I, I, I kind of have a different you know, view on things, but I, I do freelance here and there. Um, the funny thing is probably the thing that's helped my freelancing stuff the most is saying no. And saying I don't have the time, you know, because then you're not wasting your time doing the things just to help someone out or just to make a little bit of extra money. Um, you, you're not wasting all that valuable time doing stupid stuff, right? Stuff that you probably shouldn't be doing because you should be focusing on on better things or or not getting a paycheck and focusing on getting better at something so that you can make a bigger paycheck later. Yeah. Um, you know, practicing on stuff that's not. People aren't waiting on you to finish and get paid for. You yeah. Know? 
That's a really important distinction you make too. It's about playing the long game, isn't it? And not just going for the quick win now, but thinking, well, what does this mean from a strategic point of view? And I like that, you know, not being afraid to say no to a paycheck now because you know that it will lead to a bigger paycheck in the future. That's a that's a quite a different headspace for a lot of people to, to kind of get their head around. Yeah, you know, it's easy for me to say because I have a full-time job, right? Yeah. So I eat uh, glass houses and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I do, I do think that that is the ideal that you should shoot for is having some wiggle room so that you can practice yep. and you can, you know, don't don't schedule, you know, forty hours a week of client work. That's right. If you're a freelance or whatever, schedule twenty eight, you know, and yep. then use the other twelve to to focus on getting better, better. so that those paychecks are better and better and better, and yep. you continually get better at what you do. Yeah. Instead of getting stagnant and and uh, jaded, right? Because yep. it's all about the paycheck and nine to five drag. Sharpen the saw, as they say. Um, yeah. How do you stop competing on price? Um, I mean, I think it's, again, it's, it's hard for me, but I can give my opinions, which is, again, say no more often so that your value goes up. And it, it sounds so counterintuitive and, and weird, especially when you're first starting out. And you're like, I'll do whatever. I'll do your website for free if you'll just let me. You know, but I think saying no and kind of having that um, – the ability to kind of choose the projects you're doing allows you to gain more and more credibility. Um, even just the act, the very word and saying no to, to someone builds credibility, which is, is yep. weird how it works. Yeah, um, it's true. Yeah. But obviously, while saying no, you still have to get better at what you do. You can't just yep. you know, be a jerk or whatever. But, um, yep. but yeah, I, I think, yeah, competing for price, I, I, I think there's so much WordPress work out there right now. You don't have to compete. If someone's like, well, this person said, okay, well, he can do it. You yeah, know? exactly. Um, there's plenty of work. You don't have, right. and, and when you say no, again, they're going to be like, oh, he said no. He's probably better than this other guy. That's so, right. you know, I don't know. I'm just saying like that. You're I, I, so I right, though. You're so right, man. Uh, that's right. Ab you're absolutely right because the perception is, well, this guy said he can do it for 500 bucks. You said no to 500 bucks. Maybe you're better than that guy who said he can do it for 500 right. bucks. Right. Absolutely. Right. I agree. It's all good advice. Um, do you have any tips on writing better proposals? Uh, again, I think, man, we've been just like in the last year or so, we've really been figuring out the importance of having things in writing, right? Yeah. Because um, if you don't, that's when things get fuzzy. That's when you're fighting with clients. That's when you're, you know, you're not sure who's at fault. So you just bite the bullet and do it for them or whatever. Yep. Um, getting it all on paper. And so writing better proposals is just knowing as best as possible what you can know about what they need done. And the things that you can't know at this point, having even that in writing. Like at this point of this proposal, we don't know what this data is going to look like when it's done. So this is pending and this is not part of the timeline. This is not, you know, like just being very specific about um, what you know about the project and as well as what you don't know so that later on we're like, well, why didn't you have this data in like, you, you know, like this is the deadline. Well, if you remember, we have this in this clause. Like we didn't know what this data was going to look like because at that point in the time we couldn't know. Yeah. Uh, and then they go, oh, yeah, that's a good point, whatever. And then they work with you. you that's know? great advice. I've never heard anyone say that before, but it's include what you don't know and what is pending. So you're kind of planting a seed. It's, you're planting a contingency that once we do this, then we'll know what that looks like. And then things might change based on what right. this data looks like. That's really good advice. 
Yeah, and when you when you talk to the client, like if you don't have that in writing, you can still bring them around. Like, well, think about it this way: there's no way we could have known that at that time because you didn't have this data. But you can like do that whole like dance, right? Like, yeah, yeah. And try to get them to understand. And if you do a good job, you can get them to understand and kind of be on the same team. But there's still a little bit of a bitter taste. But if you can point back to a piece of paper, be like. Remember, we did, and then still kind of yeah. be nice about it. Don't be like, man, whatever. It's not in the contract, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, like again, I always like to say, yeah, we can do that for you. We'd love to do that for you. But here's the thing. Yeah. In the contract, it was stated that this was pending, so that we will just have to determine a scope of work for this and, and figure out how to move forward. Yeah. And most people are reasonable. If you can remind them what you agreed to, most people are reasonable. Because the thing is, most people who are pushing on you are pushing on you because they're getting pushed on by someone further back right. or further up the food chain. So they're just kind of pushing it downstream. You know? Sorry about that. No worries. That's fine. Um, do you have a favorite tool or system for CRM? Uh, no. I use Evernote a lot. Oh, yeah, right. Good. Or, like, yep everything yep so if if i need information about a client or whatever freelancing stuff i'll usually dump it all in in evernote and cool. that's kind of my catch-all yep and yeah, it's kind of my cheating way to be organized because evernote search is so good that you can just throw stuff in it and then yeah. later find it just by searching yeah so, it, it is great yeah, I like cheating it. man crm yeah it is it is the catch-all is a good a good phrase for it uh i think you may have already answered this but what's the best way to keep a project and a client on track uh, yeah, again, I think having things in writing and when you make a decision, like we have weekly client calls a lot of times with certain projects, uh, when a, when a decision's made in those calls or via some email thread or whatever, and it's not your, like your, your organizational tool, we use Basecamp. So yep. if it's in Basecamp, it's in writing. We consider it in writing because that's public to us in them. But if it's not in there, uh, we make sure to get it in there. Uh, I think that's probably the biggest thing. So if you're on a client call and you're like, well, what should we do about this? And they're like, oh, yeah, we forgot about that. Let's just nix that for now. You better get that written down because yeah. if you don't, you know, later they're going to ask you about it. And yeah. you're like, well, on that call, you know. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, so being really fastidious about making sure your T's are crossed and your I's are dotted and documenting the conversations throughout the project. Uh, any ideas for getting referrals? Um. Yeah, I think, you know, open sourcing your work and continually, um, I know, you know, especially in your audience, a lot of freelancers are doing a lot of stuff for clients and like their mindset is pleasing the client. But if you can start to abstract some of the work you're doing from just clients and like develop these like libraries and these tools that you can use over and over again and then like put it on your GitHub or put it, you know, and then blog about it and tweet about it, I think that builds your credibility, you know. Mm -hmm. And it kind of builds, and then people start sharing it and using it, and we're like, oh, man, this tool from such and such is so awesome. You should really use it. And, then like, you get your name out there. And I think that's what, you know, WDS is doing as well as, you know, I, I do a lot of the stuff I do on my GitHub. It's like, this was something that took me so long, and I hated it. One example is the Twitter uh, OAuth tool. Uh-huh. Uh, basically allows you to use WordPress to connect to Twitter's 1.1 API, which is the worst, like, because they redid it, you know, and made it super hard to deal with. Um, so I open source that whole tool. So all you have to do is plug in your four like secrets, whatever, and then boom, you can get some tweets. Um, so it's yeah, cool. I think open sourcing your work is a really 
really good idea. Good advice. And uh, final question in the elevation round, what's the number one thing you can do to differentiate yourself from everyone else out there? I mean, there are WordPress developers popping up on every street corner these days. How do you stand out from the crowd? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I don't, I don't really know that there's a good answer to that other than just like focus on doing good work. Yeah. And um, just like I said, open source the work that you do, and when it's not good, like take the critique, take the criticism, continue to hone and tweak. Um, if you don't open source and you don't let other people see your code, you're never gonna like build your skill set mm. as well as you could if you do. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I think, yeah. Cool. I don't know if that's yeah, that's no, it's all good. It's awesome. Um, now that's that wraps up the elevation round. Thank you very much. Now we should announce the competition. Uh, you are building a new plugin called Story FTW. What's Story for the wind. Story for the wind. Yeah. As in blowing wind, the leaves. Yeah, blowing in the trees. Win, as in not losing. Ah, Story for the win. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> so I, I'm going to put a the FTW acronym like on Twitter or whatever. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to put a link to this in the show notes. Storyftw.com and and this plugin is a is designed to help us tell better stories in WordPress, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and when we say stories, but really the idea is um, it's a way to very simply put something in front of your user and tell them, you know, a story. Um, yeah. And a story can be an ad, really, like, yeah. hey, we're, hey we're, this is on sale. Here's why you should check it out. Here's a video of it. And it's all, all you can do is this one thing. Like it takes over your entire screen. It's a it's full screen. Yep. Um, and it just leads you through it like a story does, right? Yep. Um, and it's intriguing. You want to see what's on the next page. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So it's kind of this tool to allow you to do that. Um, but yeah, that's that's what. We're Sweet. Doing. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a link to that in the show notes. When do you reckon it'll be available? Story FTW. Um, we, we're now into the holidays, which makes that question a lot harder to answer. We were hoping to get it out. You know before now um but we've released it in beta testing so um that you can sign up for beta testing on our website um we're hoping to get it out i would say january cool all right so the competition is actually we're giving away a copy of brad williams book um professional uh wordpress design and development which is a wiley publication the third edition which by the time this episode goes live we should be in early 2015 now so the book hopefully will be available but the question that you've got for our audience is if you could tell stories with wordpress what kind of story do you want to tell or what kind of stories do your clients want to tell with wordpress yeah yeah, exactly. Cool. So leave a comment under this video. Tell us, have a look at storyftw.com, which and I'll put a link in the show notes. Check it out. Tell us what kind of story you want to tell with WordPress or what kind of stories your clients want to tell with WordPress, and I'll get Justin to swing by in a couple of weeks and uh, award that prize. Sound good, man? That sounds awesome. Awesome. Hey, dude, thank you so much for spending some time with us on the podcast. This has been epic. We had a, a technical glitch early on, and we had to redial in, but it's all good. We've been here for over an hour now. Um, what what's the future for web dev? Where do you think web dev's going to be in twelve months' time? Uh, man, I think we're going to be I think we're going to be bigger. <laughs> uh, we're we're nonstop hiring. Shameless plug: we're hiring. So if you're in the market, please hit us up. Uh, WebDevStudios.com/jobs. Uh, but yeah, we're definitely going to be bigger. We'll probably have we're we're doing the team things. So we'll probably have more teams. But I think we're going to be doing you know, the same things we're doing now, which is working on some pretty cool client projects, trying to release a few products here and there. And, um, 
we'll be releasing a lot of stuff on our GitHub, so keep an eye out. Awesome. And uh, where can people reach out and say thanks for this interview, mate? Uh, you can find me, JT Sternberg, on Twitter or just about anywhere else. JTSternberg.com is my little like blog that's not really a blog, just kind of a compilation of my favorite tweets and YouTube videos. <laughs> uh, yeah. Those are probably the two best places. Excellent. And finally, who would you like me to try and interview and why? Um, I would definitely suggest Curtis McHale. Have oh, yes. I haven't uh, interviewed Curtis, but he's been on my radar for a while. Yeah, he is definitely an entrepreneur, a freelancer, and um, he puts out a ton of content for freelancers, and I, I just feel like he'd be a really great fit. Uh, really smart guy, knows what he's doing, so... All right, Curtis McHale, I'm coming to get you, courtesy of Justin Sternberg, so keep your eyes on your inbox. Hey, man, thanks again for spending some time with us. I really appreciate it, and I wish you all the best for the future with WebDev and for uh, Story for the Win. I'm looking forward to that coming out. I'm even thinking now how we can be using that here at WP Elevation to better awesome. tell our story. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how that unrolls. And, uh, yeah, feel free to keep in touch, man. I'm looking forward, to, uh, looking forward to staying in touch. All right, thank you very much, Troy. Cheers. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Justin Sternberg, episode 65 it was on the WP Elevation podcast, of course, brought to you by Video User Manuals, the video tutorial plugin that teaches your clients how to use WordPress. Check it out at wpelevation.com slash VUM. Get your hands on it for $1 for your first month and take it for a spin. It really is a game changer. It means you don't have to teach your clients how to use WordPress anymore because our plugin will do it for you, among many other things. Go check it out. Okay, subscribe to the podcast and never miss another episode, like next week when we have Justin Ferryman from LearnDash on. If you subscribe to the podcast, we'll just send you an email every Thursday morning and tell you who's on the podcast and why you should watch it. Uh, you can subscribe at wpelevation.com slash subscribe. And of course, you can uh, visit the show notes for this particular episode, all the links, everything we spoke about, the links off to AppPressor and WebDev Studios and all the cool stuff they're doing and Stack Exchange and Stack Overflow, all those links will be at wpelevation.com slash Justin Sternberg. That's Justin, S-T-E-R-N-B-E-R-G, all one word, all lowercase, no spaces, hyphens, underscores, or other weird hieroglyphics, and definitely no tilde, for those of you who know what tilde is. For those of you who don't, go and Google it, um, because Justin did say that we should all get better at using Google. Uh, please give us a ranking at iTunes if you like us. Give us a five star. If you hate us, give us a zero and tell us why. It does help us come up in the search results. And you can connect with us at Stitcher Radio as well at stitcher.net, I believe it is, or stitcher.com. I can't remember. Anyway, you'll find it. Um, as I mentioned next week, oh, first of all, leave your comments underneath this video. Tell Justin the kind of story that you or your clients would like to tell using WordPress for your chance to win Brad Williams's Professional Design and Development for WordPress book, the third edition, which should be due out about now. Uh, that'd be cool to win that. So leave your comments under the video and tell us the kind of story that you or your clients would like to tell using WordPress. Next week, we have Justin Ferryman from LearnDash. I'll give you a little secret. I've already shot that episode, and it's fabulous. We're huge fans of LearnDash here, the learning management system for WordPress. It's going to be fabulous. I hope you're enjoying the podcast as much as we're enjoying making it. My name is Troy Dean. Until next week, go elevate.